0: Listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. In this episode, we answer the question: why are there so many denominations? So you can drive through your city wherever you live, and you might pass five or six churches on the same street, all of different denominations. And it might seem like the church is really divided. Why is that? It's an interesting question for us to consider and has a lot of implications about how we think about Jesus, how we think about the Bible, and how we think about each other as followers of Jesus. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at Christ Community Chapel. I've got with me today, Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, and then Zach Wyrock and Stacy DiNardo, members of our leadership team. The question today is, why are there so many denominations? So you can drive through a lot of cities and see four or five churches within a mile of each other, all of different sects or denominations. Why does it seem like the church is so divided?
1: I think that that's a good question. It's not. A, it, it doesn't sound like a real page turner. It's not something that people are going. Hey, okay, let's talk about this. that. But
0: if we you're will... listening to this podcast, you are one of the faithful few. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's
2: if you're good. still listening after the topic was
0: introduced,
1: <laughs> I actually do get this question uh, quite a bit uh, from people over the years. Uh, why don't we start by just uh, saying what our denominational background is, Jimmy? You first.
0: Uh, I grew up independent fundamental Baptists which Woo. is different from Southern Baptist uh it is yeah independent fundamental Baptists. Well, Fundam- what are some things yeah, that would are- mark that denomination? so very conservative um in both theology and practice things like uh really hesitant about having drums in musical worship King James uh, only. King Jam- well for a while my church my church was never doctrinally in like in their theological statement saying we are are King James only, but they only preached from the King James Bible. What about w-
2: women pants? Can yeah. they pants? W- okay. uh, Can they wear pants? He knew what I was asking. <laughs> <laughs> he grew up independent. <laughs> yeah, that would have really, that. really
0: uncomfortable if they yeah. couldn't. So, uh, <laughs> no, they, they were—we they were, went through a couple of different—we uh, had a, a pastor that was there for a long time, and he was great, and then he retired. And so di- it's interesting how the teachings kind of changed with the pastor— I will say one of my uh, crowning, crowning jewel moments of my upbringing was uh, getting caught by my independent fundamental Baptist pastor in the basement of the church playing poker with poker chips with my brother and oh a couple of friends during choir practice because my parents would bring during us during choir uh, practice. Exactly, Jimmy. yeah. Because choir practice was at five <laughs> o'clock, evening service was at six, six o'clock, and it, you know, an in independent fundamental Baptist church, you're in the church anytime it's open. And oh so, yeah. We were there for choir practice. We were playing poker. Pastor came down and said,
3: not in my house. Not in my house. Not in God's house. Not in God's house. Uh,
0: Well, in the Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, what's the difference?
3: (laughs) Uh, I grew up actually with a really rich heritage of uh, faith in the Assemblies of God. And I'm saying that more because I had a grandfather who was a pastor for 50 years in the Assemblies of God um, and other relatives that are even at work within that denomination. But, um, things, they, all egalitarian, they're egalitarian. Also, the- Which means they had
2: men, male and female pastors.
3: They're, yeah, male and female pastors. Um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was equated that you had to speak in tongues. You were only baptized in the Holy Spirit if you spoke in tongues. Um, that was on the playing field of also kind of, being required for salvation, I'm not positive on that one, but it was definitely up there. So very charismatic as well in worship, um, okay. demonstrative. Yeah,
2: yeah. I grew up S- Southern Baptist, uh, which is like in between what Stacy and Jimmy have described. <laughs> so uh, we could play poker, you just couldn't talk about it. And uh, we, the big thing in Southern Baptist denomination is a couple of things. Missions was very important. We talked a lot about missions. Even had like Wednesday night. Boys' Missions Group and Girls' Missions Group, the Bible was very important. So it was like a mantra when I was growing up was book, chapter, and verse. You had to have book, chapter, and verse for anything that you did or anything that you said. You'd be able to show us in the Bible. And then the other book that we really valued was the hymnal. So, you know, we 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 sang uh, the Baptist hymnal regularly. In fact, those songs are all burned in my mind. Like I, I could sing them now if I wanted. I don't, but I could. Uh, so, yeah, that was my, my growing up.
1: Okay, and I uh, I grew up in what is called the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which is uh, interesting, uh, way back, uh, maybe, I don't know, 120 years ago, A.B. Simpson uh, was in New York City and decided to start a missionary society, and he got together with uh, several different pastors from different denominations, uh, Methodist, Baptist, Episcopalian. Uh, And they formed a missionary society, and for the first years, they only met on Sunday nights. They eventually, uh, back in the 1950s, finally formed a denomination. So I'm kind of spread out uh, because uh, different uh, Christian and Mission Alliance churches could take different flavors. So I could be like any of the three that are represented Hmm. here in a CMA church. So uh, th- that kind of prepared me in some ways to be a part of what is now CCC, a non-denominational church. But Zach, we were talking beforehand about uh, kind of denominations, why they came up. Oh, and we were talking about uh, that it I was— going to
2: start with the Protestant Reformation. Right, yeah. it was yeah.
1: part—I've uh, always told people, listen, there were no denominations until— uh, the Bible became something for every person uh, for uh, the first 500 years of church, 1,500 years of yeah. church history. Uh, the Bible was kind of... Rome
2: interpreted the Bible.
1: Right. right. Yeah. And so as long as as the clergy were the only ones that determined what the Bible said and nobody else knew or even had a Bible, then it was uh, very easy to control And once people got the Bible and they started forming their own opinions, one of the unintended consequences was the formation of different churches and different denominations. So,
2: Yeah, and I think when we think about that, what you're really saying, Joe, is if 10 people read a passage of Scripture, uh, they may not come out with 10 opinions, but they will certainly come out with more than one, right? Right. right? And so then what you end up saying is, Uh, What do we do when we disagree? And I think sometimes people say, well, can't we all just get along? Can't we all just work together? And look, I think that's everyone's heart. But some of these disagreements are significant. And even as we're talking about our own upbringings, like there are some significant uh, disagreements there. So what do you do with those? And there is a theologian named Al Al Mohler. He's president of a seminary in Louisville. And he came out with something. A a Southern, Southern
0: Baptist G- Seminary. A
2: Southern Baptist Seminary. That's right. Uh, <laughs> he came out with a really helpful essay um, years ago. Uh, that he called theological triage. And and triage is the practice, if you go to the hospital and uh, I have a knife sticking out of my head and you have a broken finger... I get to go first, right? That's the concept of triage. Triaging is uh, sorting out who goes where, who needs immediate attention, uh, who doesn't. And Moeller's point is, when you think about theology and biblical disagreements, those disagreements happen on three levels. Uh, what he calls primary, and those are like, hey, if we disagree on this, we're actually practicing a different religion, right? So if you say, well, I don't think Jesus is God, uh, okay, but but you have stepped outside of Christianity, right? Those are primary. Primary issues are the things that make us Christians.
1: And there are denominations— Oh, absolutely. Christian, right? yeah. quote-unquote, yeah. denominations absolutely. that People will say, say Jesus, Jesus is not is the not only God. way to yeah, heaven. Right. He's right. not
2: the Son of God. He's This is why, by the way, we would not consider Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses to be Christians because they disagree on these like fundamental uh, levels, uh, Apostles' yeah. Creed, Nicene Creed, kind of the things Christians have always believed. Uh, then the, um, there's a level below that that Molar calls secondary issues. And these are issues where uh, we can all be Christians and disagree, but it might be kind of hard to do church together. And the best example that I can think of of this is baptism, right? So Presbyterians believe you ought to baptize infants because they're born into the covenant promises of God. And and Baptists, not necessarily denominationally, but Baptistic theologians like CCC in this sense would practice a Baptist understanding of baptism, believes you ought to get baptized after you become a Christian as Believers, an adult baptism. or as a child after you confess faith. Well, you're either going to do one or the other of those, right? It, it's really hard to be a church that does both because they're at odds. But that doesn't mean um, we would look at Presbyterians and say, you, you don't love Jesus, or that they would look at us and say— You don't love Jesus. We just don't agree on this issue. And it's significant enough that it's going to be hard to do church together. So we got to kind of do church differently. And then there are as a third level, which would be what Mueller calls tertiary or third level issues, which are things that we can disagree on, and they really won't make that much difference into how we do church, right? So this would be like some churches might say you should sing five songs a service and other churches will say, well, we only do three, right? It's like, well, are we really going to split the church over that? Probably not. We can just meet in the middle and do four or <laughs> rotate it or whatever. So uh, the the key then is is asking when there's a denominational split or when churches kind of separate which issue is separating them. and And on some levels, it probably should. And then on other levels, it probably shouldn't
1: yeah what happens when a tertiary
3: right
2: uh well it can go either way right goes, yeah, yeah. Goes so up or so you can have ahead, right? we talked about like when I was in the city in Cleveland there are a lot of churches there that are quote unquote Christian churches that have taken primary issues and made them tertiary so they'll say well you can come to church here even if you don't think Jesus is the Son of God right you don't have to believe that to be a member here it's like well wait a minute what does it mean to be Christian? Like, that right. is a fun—or, you know, you don't have to affirm the Trinity, or and it's like, well, wait a minute, that, that is—or the Bible's not true, or it's not the Word of God. And you would say, well, it, it's really not Christianity anymore. Right, Uh, but the the reverse is true too. You can take third level issues, issues and you can like an example that would be when Jesus is going to come back. Right, so a lot of people who believe the Bible is true have disagreed over this for a long time. But some churches will put it on their sign. You know, they'll say this is a premillennial, pre-trib, you know, rapture believing church, and what they're saying is if you don't agree with us on this. You're not you. gonna want to go yeah. here. And and when you look at that, you think, well, well, maybe that, that's maybe making minor things the main thing. And that's not not good.
1: Would it be fair to say that tertiary issues are preferences? Yeah, I
2: mean they can be. I think you would say they're issues that um you you couldn't say the Bible speaks super clearly on. Like that's why right. part, the reason why the divide over baptism is different than the divide over. Um, let's say something like um, Bible translations, okay? So one church says NIV, another church says ESV, right? So the, the reason why it's different, there are two reasons. One is it, it it fundamentally changes practice. That's what makes it secondary. So either you're going to baptize infants or you're not. Either you're going to baptize post-conversion or you're not. So kind of life itself is going to drive you to a conclusion you're going to have to you're gonna to have to pick a side. And when you pick a side, you are unintentionally going to alienate those who come from the other. But the other thing is, there are, are really solid kind of arguments for both those things. So you either really believe the Bible teaches one, or you really believe the Bible teaches the other. For you, the the biblical clarity is such. To whereas I gotta be honest with you, I'm working on my, my doctorate right now. This will be like my third or fourth advanced theological degree. And if we all went around the room and had different views on eschatology, how the world's going to end, I would say, yeah, that, that's, that's reasonable because the Bible does say a lot, but it also leaves a lot unsaid. And, and so I hold it more loosely than I would hold the Trinity, which the Bible's very clear on, right? So, yeah, it, it can be, in that way, it can be saying, I think the Bible says this. Versus saying, "I know the Bible says this," and that's a really important distinction. Another example that comes to mind in, in Stacy, you, your maybe a big difference between your upbringing and mine mm-hmm. is the use of spiritual gifts, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so the Baptist understanding, Southern Baptist understanding of what spiritual gifts are and how you use them in the church, versus the Assemblies of God understanding, is very different. Yeah. So, when we go to plan a worship service, those two denominations would have a hard time. Doing working together. Right. Absolutely. So sometimes when we see two different churches, we tend to go, well, that's just sad. And I suppose it is because if we all could read the Bible perfectly, we wouldn't disagree. But on the other hand, sometimes what churches are doing is they're saying, hey, I don't want to make you do it my way. Right. So if you really by conscience are driven in this direction, then go do that. And, and we'll do this and we'll let God sort it out in the end. So there can be... Sometimes a collegial feel of like we don't agree on this, but some of my best friends belong to other denominations. Yeah. We disagree on things, but everybody's clear that we love Jesus and we're playing for the same team.
3: Well, and hopefully as Christians we can have that attitude and we can have an attitude of just understanding that there's a beautiful thing about churches that are worshiping differently. How how is a Christian though? Should I maybe approach or what would be a good posture towards even those tertiary issues and I don't know. Again, from my mindset, not allowing them to become the major things.
1: Yeah, that's a that is a good question. That is also a question. Like it as a <clears throat> being a pastor for a long time, and having uh, you know received a lot of letters or emails of people leaving the church and the reasons they give, then uh, there are some people that will take a tertiary issue, yeah. and make it like it has become a. Primary issue, and they have to leave the you know my church because uh, we are apostate. You know and, uh, well, that can feel like that always hurts state. me. Yeah, but, and yeah. I think it's people trying to justify making a big move and doing something like that. And I think we have to be careful of that, even as we look at other churches. I think what what Zach said is is really true. We got to be very very careful uh, with um, making something that is not a primary issue a primary issue. Uh, because uh, there should be a unity and a partnership with churches. Yeah,
2: and, you know, a good example of this is like, this is kind of a dumb analogy, but but it's a helpful one in this sense. Like, you know, so every other year or so, Amy and I, my wife Amy and I will go on vacation with her family or my family. Sometimes that's determined by whose year it is and who's... And then sometimes it's determined by where's their shared agreement on like, you know, so they want to go to the ocean... And we say, well, we already been to the ocean this year. We want to go to the mountains, right? So what happens then is we say, well, okay, maybe we're not gonna do vacation together. You guys go to the ocean, we'll go to the mountains. What we don't say is, I hate you. I'll never yeah. speak to you again. <laughs> exactly. We're not in the same mountains family. Suck. But, yeah. but you do understand that that you could say, Well, that's a shame. Family ought to go on vacation together. And and I, okay, that is really nice when the family. But but it's unity's not nice if it's just one side kind of running over the other side, right? So if we go on vacation together and I, and and I just complain the whole time because I wanted to go to the mountains, right? Then that's not helpful. That that's not good. So we can still be family, right. but go to different places to vacation together, right? And and I think versus saying, uh, well, we'll all go to the beach, but every night I want to play this board game. No, I want to play that board game. It's like, okay, we can probably sort that out when we get there. We don't need to not go on vacation together because we don't agree on the board game. Those would be third-level issues, right? So when you put it that way, I just, I, I'm really passionate about this because like, you need to know when at Orchard NEO, when we're looking at is, does a neighborhood have a gospel-preaching church, we do not ask what denomination it is. So we are asking, do they get the primary issues right? Do they get some secondary issues that that they need to agree with us because we just—it would be hard to work together to—right? But if there's a gospel-preaching church there, we don't care what the sign says, right? And we just—we're really—that's something we're really passionate about, and that's a way we can work together a, a, as churches.
1: For Orchard, NEO, what are the primary— issues? Yeah, so when we're
2: evaluating a church that's in a neighborhood, so let me answer that in two ways. One would be how we evaluate existing churches, and then one is kind of what do we require agreement on in our church planters. Uh, the first way is we, we only have a four-pronged test. It's a very simple test that we apply to neighborhood churches, and that is we need them to be four things. Number one, we need them to be orthodox. So by that we mean get the primary issues right. Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed. One God, three persons, sin his son who lived and died and rose from the dead for us. That's the only way to be reconciled to God and the way we know that is cuz the Bible tells us and the Bible is true, right? So they got to get that right. Unfortunately, in Northeast Ohio, that is the number 1 reason a church fails to meet our test. Wow. Without without second place isn't even close, okay? The second test we apply is they have, to, they have to get right biblical sexuality. That's become a little bit of a watershed on how do you treat the Bible? How do you... It's kind of one of those things where you can tell me you think the Bible is true, but if the first time it points at something that is culturally right. difficult, right. you give on it, you don't really think the Bible is true, right? So that's the second test. The third test is they have to have at least a hundred people. And look, that You can have 50 people and be a great church. We're just saying some of these neighborhoods have thousands and thousands of people. So if you have 30 people meeting in a church, God bless you, but you need more churches in that neighborhood, right? So you got to have at least 100 people. And then the fourth one is you got to have a decent website. Not a great website, just a decent one, because that speaks to a church being missionally minded. They understand guests are going to check their website. So if you have a website you haven't updated in two years, which, believe it or not, often is the case then what you're saying is we don't, we're not really trying to... So well, when we say there are 89 neighborhoods where we can't find an effective gospel-preaching church, we mean there are 89 neighborhoods where we can't find a single church that meets those four criteria, not a single one. Because the minute we find one, we take that, that neighborhood course. off our yeah, list, yeah. right? It, all we need is one, and it doesn't matter what denomination, it doesn't matter, all, all we need is one. For our church planters, uh, we ask them to affirm uh, the CCC Statement of, of Faith, and if there are issues related to the application of those things, then, you know, we talk through th- those things with them on a case-by-case basis. We never want to plan a church that we couldn't recommend to a CCC member, mm-hmm. but we don't necessarily only plant churches that replicate everything that CCC does uh, or believes about secondary issues.
0: So do you have an—if you're willing to share, do you have an example of— Within that process, do we have anybody, like one of our planters now, who might have a secondary issue? Yeah, so with
2: Jer- Jeremy King is going to plant in Mayfield Heights Story Church, and Story Church will be a Presbyterian church, a PCA church. So, you know, Jeremy agrees on all the things we agree on, except for or the things we believe, except for two things. Uh, he believes in covenant baptism, and he believes that the the local church ought to uh, answer to a larger group of elders who, who govern it regionally, and that's the Presbyterian view. We knew that going in, uh, and we think that's going to be a great church in Mayfield Heights. It's not the way we do things, right. but those are secondary issues that are not primary issues. And, and again, so when people say, can't we work together? Yeah, absolutely. That's right, what we're doing right. in Orchard, right? So, uh, and one of the things I love about CCC is when I met with the PCA, like denominational authorities to talk about this, or when our team did, Uh, They were blown away by the fact that we would want to participate in church planning Hmm. without requiring unanimity on all these secondary issues. And, you know, we told them, like, look, the thing that we most care about is that there's a church in the neighborhood that can tell people about Jesus. And when you have 89 neighborhoods where there's not a single church that does that, uh, it's not the time to build fences around secondary and tertiary issues.